Well, it is uh, good to be back with you. Last time I was here, um, there were only a scattering of people, very few. It was the first Sunday that uh, everything had kind of shut down, and um, actually, I didn't even know where to look. Now I have a camera in front of me, so uh, I can't miss that, uh, but it's good to be back, and I'm so thrilled that you were able to gather. So many of our churches... Um, have been very creative in how to start regathering and assembling together. And there is such a desire among God's people to get back in fellowship with one another. Uh, but in the process of all of this, there's been some very creative things done to expand the footprint of a church, whether it's a very rural church like in First Baptist Church, Cuba. Uh, they had to get all the equipment and, and have to learn how to, uh, to do live streaming or video streaming. And, and what's wonderful is that as they have done that, they have expanded their ministry even out onto the reservation and have started getting some responses from people out there who never would have showed up in their church. Uh, but they are starting to connect with them as, as a result of this. So many creative things have been happening. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing that we have gone through. God is still in control. God is still working. And I think sometimes God just needs to stir us up and get us out of the rut, out of the comfort zone we're in, and make us expand our horizons and look at things differently. We're in a changing world that's rapidly changing. And we can't stay where we've always been. We have got to find ways to creatively reach out. Let the gospel be the center point of everything that we do. Find ways to meet the needs of those who are hurting. But always share the gospel. Does it mess things up for us? Sure. Does it make us a little uncomfortable? Yeah. I, I don't like the mask. I was sharing with uh, Pastor Tim this morning. I've got big ears already. And I put that thing on and my ears just go like this. And I uh, look like an elephant going down a road or something, but, uh, but I hear better. Maybe that's the whole process of what's going on here. So, so uh, just to say, uh, I'm thrilled to be back with you. I'm thrilled for uh, what God's doing through this. And as frustrating as it can be, uh, we really need to focus on what God is doing through it and what he's doing in us and accomplishing uh, and not looking at all the frustrations and, and inconveniences. So th this morning I want to look at Romans chapter 4, verse 3. This is a devotional message. Uh, we're not going to break it down. We're not going to exegete it like uh, I, I like to do generally. <laughs> By the way, the cough I have, uh, our house is uh, for sale in East Mountains, and I spent a good couple days cutting weeds on a dirt hill this last week. So I've got a little bit of dust and, and stuff in my, my throat. So uh, I'm okay otherwise. And there's nobody right in front of me, so we should be good. <clears throat> um, my question for you is this. Do you believe God? Now, I'm not asking you, do you believe in God? Because you can walk down the street and ask somebody, do you believe in God? And guess what? The majority of them are going to say, yes, I believe in God. Now, they don't have an idea who that is or what that is or what it means, but they believe in God, a higher power. They believe in something. And so you can't ask the question and get a good biblical answer if you just say, do you believe in God? But if you ask them this, do you believe God? That's a whole other thing. 
Because we are influenced and led by all kinds of voices in our society. Not only in our society, in our community, in our schools, but even in our churches. There is so much confusion. Who is the final authority? Who do we really believe? If we're listening to everyone else instead of God, that's where our problem lies. And so in our passage, this is a, a passage where uh, Paul is writing to the church at Rome. He, he loved that church. He desired to get there. Uh, he had sought to get to Rome before but was hindered. He wanted to go and encourage them. He wanted to go and evangelize with them. And in this first part of Romans, he's really focusing on the contrast between um, abi abiding by the law and finding justification or righteousness through that or by faith. And that's where we find him in this passage. I'm going to begin reading in uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And I was reading through this a couple of weeks ago in my devotion time, and that's when this really popped out. And maybe you've had that experience where you're just reading the Bible or you're doing your devotion uh, and reading something maybe you have read many times before, and then all of a sudden, that one thing just kind of highlights like a neon light and it's kind of flashing at you and it just sticks in your mind. And that's what happened with me with this passage. And that's why I wanted to share it with you this morning. So in Romans chapter four, verse one, it says this, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather discovered in this matter, dealing with the law and with faith being justified by that. Verse two, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. In other words, if Abraham had won God's favor, he could boast. Look what I've done. Look how much I've done. Look how, how well I've performed. And he could stand before God and boast about it because he had achieved something. But then he said, but what does Scripture say? He said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, what really stuck out was that statement, Abraham believed God. So the question is, do you believe God? Not do you believe in him? Because if you believe God, then everything else that the scripture begins to teach us and help us understand about our relationship with him through faith in Christ, how we are to live, how we're to deal with all the trials of life, how, how, how we're supposed to look forward to and have hope in, in, a, in the eternal life with Christ. If we believe God, then we're going to abide by what he says and what he tells us through his word. And we know his word is the written word which God revealed through inspired men by the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus is, is the, the, the living word of God and he taught us how we need to live and how we need to relate to him and how we deal with our sin. If we believe God, then we take God's word and live by it and we believe it instead of believing everything else that's out there because so often people are taking the word of God and they're, they're bringing other things into it to try and make it fit what they want or what they desire. Abraham believed God. We could cover many scriptures dealing with the questions, but this morning I just want to look at the two things about Abraham believing and how he was justified. 
There is persecution around the world. There's health crisis. There's disease, death, financial loss, oppression, family problems, and so many other issues will reveal how we deal with those, whether we really believe God or not. When I prayed, we prayed and gave thanks to God, even for the crisis that we're in. Why? Because God said, in all things, be thankful. Give thanks for all things, no matter what it is, because God's involved in it. If God says to be thankful, then we believe God that we are to be thankful for it, and we are thankful for it. So if we take what God tells us and we apply it, then we are showing that we trust him, that we believe in his word. Do you believe God's word? Do you believe in God's will? And do you believe in God's ways? And so those are really the three things that I want to kind of focus on this morning out of this one verse. There is a reason that the Apostle Paul used Abraham as an example of one who is justified by faith. Now, Abraham was not a perfect person, but Abraham, from the very beginning, began to believe God when God spoke to him. The very first thing in our passage uh, that I want to look at this morning is Abraham believed God's word. If we look at Hebrews chapter 11, we find the writer of Hebrews giving us an account of what faith is and the account of all those who were faith of faith Uh, in their relationship with God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then in verse 8 of Hebrews 11, it says, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham, I want you to pick everything up. Abraham came from a very pagan society in the land of Ur. Uh, He was told by God, pick everything you have, and I want you to go to a place, and I'm not going to tell you where you're going. You just follow me. I'll get you where you want to go. It's going to be an inheritance for you, but you'll never know what it is yourself at this point. He obeyed, and he went, even though he didn't know where he was going, by faith. He made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He believed God and he followed by faith. In verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. Down in verse 17, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. You see, it's a difference believing in God. You can say, well, I, I believe in God. It's like me saying, I believe in you, but I don't trust you. Uh, somebody has, has come and given you advice or somebody's trying to get you to do something. Uh, may, it could be a, a spouse. It could be a, a child. Uh, it could be a close friend. Uh, but you've seen their life. You've seen how they function. You've seen some of the choices. And you tell them, I believe in you. I believe in you. But I don't believe you in some of these areas. 
many believers have that problem with God. Oh, I believe in you, God, but I don't necessarily trust your word. I don't necessarily believe that what you're telling me is the way it ought to be. Somehow, I don't, I'm not sure that this is the way it has to be. Folks, we either believe God or we don't believe him. We either believe his word and all of it or we don't believe any of it in a sense because we can't pick and choose what God is telling us to do, whether we like it or not or whether we want to embrace it or not. If God is God, which he is, and if God has given us his word, which he has, and if his son Jesus came and died on a cross, which he did, and he rose from the grave, overcoming sin and death, which the Bible teaches us all took place, we either believe it or we don't. We can't tear it apart. I believe in you, God, but I don't believe you. That means that our faith is not where it needs to be. It means that we don't trust God to be true to us. Abraham believed the word of God. Remember in the garden after God had given instructions to Adam and Eve, commanding that you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And then the certain serpent showed up. The enemy of God, the prince of liars, shows up. And he asks Eve, he says, well, what did God tell you? And she said, well, he said we couldn't eat of this or we'll die. And he says, oh, you won't surely die. And immediately, instead of believing what God had told them, she doubted. And once doubt comes into our minds, and we begin to question what God says as a, against what somebody else is telling us, we are on a, a kind of a dangerous path. We either believe him or we don't. And the question this morning is, do you believe God, not do you believe in God? Because if you believe him, everything he tells us about our need for Christ, how we should live our life, our hope, everything is involved in that. You have to answer that question. Do you believe God? Abraham believed and he left the land of Ur and he followed God. Abraham's faith believed and submitted himself to God's will. Now he didn't understand it. He didn't have a clear picture of what was going to happen, but he faithfully followed God. Now, Abraham, though he believed God, uh, made some critical errors and, and sinned in some ways when uh, he went to a couple of places and he told his wife, Sarah, hey, listen, tell them you're my sister because if they think you're my wife, the emperor is going to want to marry you and take you from me. So he had her lie. Uh, Abraham was not a perfect man. But just like David, he had a heart after God and he believed the word of God and he was obedient to the word of God. God made a covenant with Abraham that Abraham would be the father of a great nation, one that would bless all the nations of the world. And in fact, the passage in Romans 4.3 is taken from that account in Genesis 15. So Abraham believed God's word, but Abraham secondly also believed God's will. In Genesis 22, God tested Abraham's faith. Take your only son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will tell you about. He was willing to sacrifice his own son Isaac. And according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, which we've already read, he believed that even if he sacrificed his son Isaac, God would bring him back to life because God does not break his covenant. God does not break his promise. Uh, 
God keeps to his word. His will has to take superiority over our will, his desire over ours. Abraham believed that and was obedient to it, even though he did not understand it. Here we can learn what it means to really believe God. The person who believes God is willing to submit his will completely to God's command. His attitude is, Lord, you speak to me, and I will listen, and I will be obedient to it. He, is not, he not only believes in God, but he believes that God can and will fulfill his promises. But he knows that God is true to his word and will keep the promises that were made. We could look at all the promises of God that he gives us in the scripture. And, uh, and we could account for every single one. When he said that I love you with an everlasting love, he does. When his promise is that I, I will strengthen you and, and encourage you, he will. When he says I will guide you with my Holy Spirit, he does that. In Romans chapter 8, when he says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, God does that for his children. Every single thing that God says he is going to do, he does. Now, many times we miss it or we don't seek it out. We don't, we don't uh, experience it in a way because we're, we're, we're just not looking for it. We're not, we're, we're not uh, allowing God to uh, really reveal himself to us because we're so caught up in other things. But God never breaks a promise. In fact, if God broke one promise at any time, we wouldn't be able to trust any of the promises that God has for us. That brings great joy to us. That's where we get the peace that passes understanding. God's will must be God's will, and we are to submit ourselves to it. If we believe God, and we know that he is God, he is omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, if God is who he says he is, which he is, then why do we have to worry with all the things that we worry about when we simply have to understand and know him and follow him? Seems easy. In fact, I almost titled this a simple truth because when we break away all the other things, we get down to the simple truth of just believing God and what he says and not listening to all the clutter and all the background noise and all the influence of everything else that is in opposition to him. When I would do uh, some marriage counseling, I, I uh, would be dealing with couples and inevitably one of them, either the wife or the husband, in the workplace would be getting advice from co-workers about how they needed to deal with their marriage problem. And they would bring that to our counseling session. <laughs> and they would say, yeah, well, but such and such in my office said this, and, you know, that seems to make sense to me. And I would say, okay, so what do they know about this? Are they married? Well, no. Well, if they've been married, how many times have they been married? <laughs> you know, I guess you learn by, by your mistakes. Maybe that's the way to do it. Um, are they believers? And you know, almost all the time they were not believers. But here is a, a, a Christ-following believer who instead of looking to the Word of God and seeing what God's will is for them, are listening to other sources. And letting that determine the choices and the things that they do. Totally outside of the will of God here. 
It just doesn't seem to make sense. So when we break everything down, get down to the fundamentals, the question is, Abraham, or the answer is Abraham believed God's will for him. He believed his word. He believed God's will. So the question for you is, do you believe God? Do you believe his word? And do you believe God's will for your life? Because honestly, the only one who can determine what God's will for your life out of the general things that, we, that apply to all believers is you. It's not going to come from a coworker. It's not going to come from some, some psychology book. It's not going to come from something on the internet. The word of God is going to tell you what you need to know and what you need to do and how God wants to, to accomplish his will in you and through you. The third thing, Abraham believed God's way. <laughs> now, we shared this passage in other, uh, at other times, but Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, something maybe we ought to just put on our mirrors in the bathroom or uh, on our windshield in the car, something. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Isn't that good? Nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What happens here is that we have a tendency to put ourselves above God because our thoughts aren't his thoughts, but we like our thoughts better. His ways are not our ways, but we like our ways better. As the heavens are higher than the earth, we're taking the earth and put them over the heavens. We have to believe that God does things in ways that don't fit us. And that's a good thing. God doesn't always give us what we ask for. And that's a good thing. Because if he did, we'd all be the most miserable people on earth. But God's ways are right. Back in Romans 4, 3, the end of that verse reads this. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Our way of looking at being reconciled to God would be, Lord, I do all these great things. Uh, in fact, all my good things far outweigh my bad things. I, in a sense, have earned a right to be in a relationship with you. I get to church once the doors are open, I get to go to church, and I do. I watch online. In fact, I'll screen through while I'm watching this service. I'll screen through and check out what everybody else is doing at church. That's how committed I am. I'll even go on a Monday afternoon and find something online and watch it from some other teaching. God, I'm a good person. I try to take care of those who have needs. We can build a whole uh, a bunch of things that we can stand before God and say, I have earned this. And God says, you haven't earned anything. If we've sinned in one area, we've sinned in all areas. We are separated from God by our sin. God's way is this. When we believe in Christ, when we believe God and what God teaches us about having a relationship with him, when we, our life reflects that faith. Now, our faith doesn't earn us salvation. Our faith is a reflection of the Holy Spirit in us responding to God's activity toward us and through us. That faith shows 
that we have trusted him, that we believe him, our obedience, our submission to him are just an outflow of what God's already done in our heart. That's what the case was with Abraham. Abraham believed God. He was justified by his faith, not by his works. For it's not works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us, it says in Titus 3, 5. So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. God's way of redemption was through his son Jesus Christ. Doesn't make sense to the world. The world mocks it. The world makes fun of it. The world wants to hide it. Even historically, they don't want to accept that this took place. But Jesus Christ came into this world. He was all God and all man. He lived a sinless life, though he was tempted in every way like we were. But he came for the sole purpose of going to the cross and paying a price as a sacrificial lamb. Paying the price which was required to pay for sin. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, there's no forgiveness of sin. Jesus went to the cross, shed his blood, paid the price for you and I. He died and then rose from the grave the third day overcoming sin and death. That's how God does things. And that's how God did this so that we could be reconciled to him. And our faith justifies us. Even though we're not sinless, we are declared sinless through the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that all are sinners that there's not even one righteous. It makes it clear that we don't even seek God, but that he sought us. It makes it clear that our works, no matter how good they are, are not sufficient to pay for our sin. God's ways are higher and different than our ways. If you look just back a page at Romans chapter 3, uh, verse 21 through 26, Dealing with the righteousness through faith, it says this, But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. That's God's way. It's not man's way. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it tells us that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. You see it's so contrary to anything that we hear in the world. This is the attitude that we should have toward God today. There are a far larger number of people who say they believe in God than those who actually believe God. And that's even within the church. Walking through the doors of a church does not mean every single person is a, a true follower of Jesus Christ. That every single person that gathers has confessed their sin, repented of it, and, and received the gift of salvation through faith in Christ. Many times people are still struggling in that, struggling with that. They believe in God, but they don't believe God and his word. Pleasing God requires more than just believing. 
We must also believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So who do you believe? Do you believe the world? Do you believe the society around us? Do you believe friends and family or co-workers? Maybe you believe nature and what nature is, is some, some sense telling you what to do, some force beyond this earth? Or do you believe God? God's word tells us we're all sinners. Do you believe God? God's word tells us Jesus died for our sin. Do you believe God. God's word tells us Jesus rose bodily from the grave, overcoming sin and death. Do you believe God? God's word tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Do you believe God? Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. Do you believe God. In times of our weakness, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in wit and weakness. Do you believe God? Jesus also said, a peace I give unto you, not like the world gives to you. I give you a peace that passes understanding. Do you believe God? Because if you do, all the turmoil in the world, all the struggles, all the frustrations, all the disappointments, all the challenges, all of those things can be overcome because I believe God's word. And when he says, I can have peace and joy in spite of all of those things, then I should be exemplifying and reflecting the peace and joy that comes through Jesus Christ. My spirit should be a spirit of compassion and love. That I should be reaching out to others and, and looking out for their welfare before even my own. All the things that God teaches us, if we believe God, we should be doing. What a wonderful epitaph to have on a gravestone. If we look at Abraham, Abraham, and we could maybe put dates down there even though we're not specific, but just having it say, Abraham believed God. What a message to those who would read it. What a message if it said, John Torson believed God. If that's all it said, would that not be sufficient to give the message of Jesus Christ? Well, I hope maybe that God has encouraged you through this this morning. Like I said, this is more of a devotional message. But the bottom line is this. You either believe God or you don't. It's not a question, do you believe in God? But do you believe him? And if you believe him, do you respond to him in faith? If you believe him, do you walk with him and follow his direction? Do you believe his word? Do you believe what his will is for your life? And do you believe God's way? Because God's way is so different from your way. Maybe you're here this morning or watching us on TV. And the question is, do you believe when God says that you're a sinner and that you're separated from him because of that sin, and that the only way that you can be reconciled to God is by confessing your sin, which is simply agreeing with God that you're a sinner. Agreeing with God what he already knows about you, that you're a sinner, you're separated, but that you in your heart desire to turn from your way of doing things and follow him. You believe that Jesus did die on a cross and rose from the grave, 
overcoming sin and death and you pray and ask him to come into your, into your life, the Holy Spirit to come in and forgive you of your sin and give you everlasting life. You see, you can pray that in your own prayer. You can pray it from your heart. God will hear. And the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will come in and you will become a new creation. A new creation, one of God's children with a hope and a promise and an eternal place to live with him forever. And then you can walk in his word and you can follow his will and you can function under his way instead of your own. Father, I thank you this morning for this time when we've been able to just touch on this passage. And I pray that it, it has been clearly uh, expressed in a way that, that, that those who are listening and watching can understand. The, the very key to all of this, Lord, is trusting you, believing what you say, responding to it, and sharing it with the lost world, helping others to be drawn to Christ by the sharing of your word, for when it is shared and taught and preached, it never returns void. So I pray this morning that if there is anyone who has heard this message and heard how they can come to Christ, that they would pray and receive him in, in, into their life as Savior and Lord, that they would commit their life to him and that they would begin to live and worship and, and share and, and preach and teach and all the things that you might want to do in their life and join with others in fellowship with, with you. And so, Father, I just pray that you'll take this message, that you'll be glorified in it, and that there'll be a response to it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, there are pastors here and, and others that if there is a decision or a prayer that you might have, uh, you can find one of them. They'll be uh, here in the auditorium, I believe, and, and you can talk with them and pray with them, and they can help you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that God will bless you and keep you, uh, that his grace will shine upon you today, that you will live your life in joy and peace, knowing that he is still and always will be the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the living Word of God. Amen.